Hey guys, wanted to invite you to the Awaken Conference, Memorial Day weekend, May 23rd through 25th in 2020. We are bringing it back. Thousands of young adults are gonna gather in this city, Dallas, Texas, to be a part of a weekend where we awaken to the movement you were made for, which is the church. To be a part of that weekend, to find out all that'll be involved, you can go to awaken.live and sign up. You don't wanna miss it and we hope to see you there. El Paso, Phoenix, Fayetteville, Tulsa, Nashville, Philadelphia, wherever you are joining, or if you're just listening in live stream. We are continuing the series, Rated R for Romance. Um, let me start this way. I've got a random kind of side hobby that I do from time to time called fixing up golf carts. Here's what I mean by that. Every now and then on Craigslist or like one of these five mile or kind of resell apps, there'll be like somebody selling a golf cart. And, um, and just through like years, I've kind of learned like different ways to kind of trick them out. It's like a fun, random hobby. Some people, you know, like to work on things and build things, I've fix up golf carts. One recently I had found was in the country and this guy was selling a golf cart and was like, oh dude, I could like, you know, put a lift on that. That would be awesome. Just a little flip project on the side. And I uh, reached out, the golf cart was available. So I rented a trailer and I went in and headed out to his home out in the country, got to his house, looked at the golf cart, this all looks great. And, um, and side note about the guy, this was like one of the more interesting interactions that I had. This dude is like in his 30s, show up to his place, he lives on this huge plot of land, he has an airplane strip in front of his house where planes get to land in front. He's got seven kids all running around, like ages 13 to two. All of them have four wheelers. It was like, dude, where am I right now? And Callie, if I don't come home, they murdered me. And uh, so it just was like this way, he's got his own pond. He was like, yeah, I dug that pond up. And the, the dude was like the most he-man I've ever been around because at one moment I'm looking at the golf cart and I'm like, hey, you know, part of the metal underneath this thing is bent and that's not good. And um, expecting him to be like, well, I'll take a couple hundred bucks off it. He's like, all right, well, let's take it down to the shed. Takes it down to the shed. Dude pulls out a straight up welder and puts the mast down. and was like, <laughs> and welds new metal onto the bottom. It was like, I'm not worthy. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and so he, uh, he, he, you know, I end up buying the golf cart and I load it onto this trailer I gotten from U-Haul and it doesn't fit. And I'm like, oh no, this is not good. I'm, I, I got to leave with this thing. I've rented it. I've driven like over an hour out here. What am I going to do? And the guy's like, oh, you know, I'll just give you some rope. We can tie it down. It'll be fine. And I'm like, oh, that's great. He hands me the rope and then it hits me. And this, this moment I've experienced a lot of times where I, I begin to think, I don't know what type of knot to tie here. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't a Boy Scout, and some of you guys were Eagle Scouts, and you're like, oh, here's what you gotta do there, and you know exactly what to tie. But I was like, I, I'm the kind of guy that just ends up like being like, oh man, I'm just gonna rope this around like 15 different times and pull really hard, and hopefully that'll hold. And I'm, I'm like thinking through there, and I'm like, yeah, what kind of knot would you tie, he-man? And um, he's like, oh, and he uses some term, and I'm like, he's like, you know, I would do a you know, square double back bender, and I'm like, yeah, square double back bender, right. Um, I don't really like my square double back bender. What's yours look like? Maybe I could check out how you do yours, make sure. And eventually I just give him my man card and I'm like, here, just take it. And uh, can you tie a knot on this golf cart and tie it to the trailer? Because I, one thing I don't want to happen is for me to just out of pride end up tying some janky knot that's like, you know, here's the bunny ears and pull. And it ends up having a golf cart fly off a trailer on the highway at like 70 miles an hour. 
So he ties up this different knot and everything goes fine. Now, what does that have to do with rated R for romance or relationship goals? Well, in that scenario, I knew that something valuable was at stake, so risking tying a knot that wouldn't hold or would come undone was something that I didn't want to do. And in the same way, we have a term for marriage and relationships that is very similar to the scenario I was in there. We call it tying the knot. And people come together and they tie the knot in relationships and they get married. You've probably heard this phrase before of, hey, when would you tie the knot? Or, hey, we're going to tie the knot. And people form a relationship and they date and then they get married and they tie the knot. But tragically, about half of the knots that are tied end up unraveling and coming apart. And so how can you and I be people who know that we're stepping in the direction of tying a knot that will last all of this life? That we're not going to end up like a statistic and be a part of, of tying the knot with someone else and years later, it just begins to unravel together. And one of the reasons I think why so many people come together and they form this relationship and they make this promise and they stand on their wedding day and they pledge till death do his part and they tie the knot and then months, years, a fixed amount of time or a certain amount of time later, they end up standing in front of that person and they're signing divorce papers saying, I never want you in my life again because their knot was not strong enough to hold. And as tragic as it would be to tie a knot that ends up having a golf cart fly off of a trailer, infinitely more tragic is tying a relationship knot in marriage that ends up falling apart. Like, like, you know, you can get another golf cart, you get another trailer, you don't get another shot at your first marriage. You don't get another shot at your 20s, you don't get another shot at your dating, at your love life, even your soul. And the way that romance and sex and love impacts it. And the God who's there doesn't want you to go through not knowing how to tie and move towards one another and create a bond and create a knot that will last, that nothing in this life will be able to tear apart. But it's not going to happen by you doing it on your own opinion or following how you think it's best. Just like in that scenario, I knew that if I go based on how I think I should tie the knot, it could have very big consequences and tragic ones. Or I could say, you know how to tie knots, he-man. You tie the knot. And the God who's there is saying, are you going to try to do this on your own? And if so, you risk becoming a liability or becoming another statistic because your knot's going to unravel. Or you can trust the God who's there who says, I know how to tie knots. I created marriage. I know how to best move towards a relationship that will last. So tonight... We are going to talk about dating, the dating phase, and how to move, because the dating phase is kind of moving your relationship in the direction of creating a knot and a bond that will never be able to separate or come apart. And so we're going to explore what it looks like to date well, to begin to form the relationships, because one of the reasons why knots end up unraveling is because of dating so poorly. And we are exploring in the book of Song of Solomon, the second phase in this couple's relationship. So if you weren't here last week, you can go to iTunes or go to Spotify. You can check out the podcast and what you missed. But we opened up the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon is one of the most risque books in all the Bible. It's an exploration of a man and a woman and their marriage and their sexuality and their love and romance for each other. If you thought God was against sex or romance, you were wrong. He created it, and he even included an entire book of the Bible that is all about his celebration and this couple's exploration 
of love, romance, and each other in sex. It, it's so risque that we said last week, Hebrew boys and girls were not able to read this book until they were 30 or married because rabbis were like, dude, that is gonna make everybody hot and bothered. We need to just keep that from them until they're married. And it's a beautiful picture of this relationship that God just celebrates and he keeps in the Bible. So to review, it reads a little bit. It's a song called Song of Solomon. And it reads a little bit like Shakespearean poetry. And in it, there's a Romeo and a Juliet. There's a man and a woman. Last week, they kind of began to form their initial relationships and sparks of attraction. And this week, we're gonna catch up as they continue their relationship and we're gonna see them go from increasing amounts of, of uh, intimacy and deepening in their relationship and all the way at the end of tonight, they're gonna get engaged. And so we're gonna explore three things that every healthy dating relationship should include as a part of them. That every healthy dating relationship should have progressing, expressing, and addressing involved in certain areas. Progressing, expressing, and addressing. So we're gonna unpack exactly what those are, but let me read the verses first and then we'll dive into exactly them. So this comes from Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse eight. The woman speaking, she says, listen, my beloved, look, here he comes leaping across the mountains and bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. She's basically like, look, my boy is a stud. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. I'll explain what exactly is going on there. My beloved spoke to me and he said, here's what he says, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past and the rains are over. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come, spring. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. Blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me into this new season. My dove, him speaking, that's his, his girl, in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountain, Come out from hiding and show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. They both speak in verse 15. Catch the foxes for us. The little foxes that could ruin the vineyards or our relationship because our vineyards or our relationship is in bloom. And she says, my beloved is mine and I'm his. He browses among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, turn, my beloved, she's talking about her, her boo, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the rugged hills. Rugged hills, interesting side note, um, if you have the NA, or different translations, translate these different words or different ways. If you have the NASB, which is just another translation, you have Beether Hills inside of there. Or rugged mountains is another word. Beether, and the Beether Mountains is uh, something that, it, there, there's no place on earth called the Beether Mountains. What are they saying? Beether is a word that means cleavage. So she is saying, come, she, this girl is, is she is getting excited about the next chapter, which is the wedding night, and she's beginning to talk about, hey, dude, come all night long. That's until the shadows flee and the morning breaks, and I want you to play on the mountains of cleavage. I want you to play with my breasts, is what she says. It's in your Bible. Some of you guys are like, man, I've got my memory verse picked out for this week. All night long, she, has, she then goes into like this nightmare. She has all night long, I was on my bed yearning for the one that my heart loves. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I will get up and I will go about the city. So she begins to explain this nightmare she's having. Through its streets and its squares, I will search for the one whom my heart loves. So I looked for him, but I did not find him. The watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city, and I said, have you seen the one my heart loves? 
Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. And I held him, and I would not let him go till I brought him into my mother's house to the room of the one who conceived me, the most intimate part of my life. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it's time. So as hot and bothered as she is, she still says, do not introduce sex until it's time. There's three things I want to pull out from this couple and their relationship that are growing that are so relevant to you if you're dating, so relevant if you ever have a dating relationship. And if these are not a part of your dating relationship, you should be concerned. The first one is that if you are in a relationship, it should be a relationship that is progressing towards marriage. Let me read verses 8 through 13 again. She says, hey, listen, my beloved, here he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. He's like a gazelle, young stad. He stands there behind our wall. She's speaking metaphorically. There's a wall of separation. And he's gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. He desires to move closer and progress towards each other in the relationship. And then it says that he speaks to her and he says, arise, my darling, beautiful, and come with me. The winter is past and spring is here. There's a new season, and I want you to come with me into this next season of life. He says, the rains are over, flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come, cooing of doves is heard in our land. He's pointing to spring being here. Essentially, like that idea of ring by spring. He's saying, hey girl, I want you to come with me into this next season of life. I want us to progress forward. If you were in a dating relationship, and healthy dating relationships, involve your relationship progressing towards marriage. In other words, it's not just stagnant. It doesn't just stay there. Your relationship is going somewhere. If you were perpetually waiting and you're perpetually just kind of in the, man, we're just, we've been dating for six years, you should be concerned. You should break up. You should move on and be honest enough with one another. You should be progressing somewhere. Dating is meant to be a path that leads towards a promise. That's marriage that leads towards a lifelong pursuit. It's not just meant to be this dating game. It's, it's not just similar to essentially this. Um, dating is, is meant to involve you going in and you begin to say, like, is this someone that I can move towards the destination of marriage with? The end goal is not dating. The end goal is moving towards marriage. The dating is almost like going to the airport. The airport is not a place that anyone wants to go to hang out or anyone wants to spend a lot of time. The only reason you go to the airport is not to hang out at the airport unless you need counseling. Because the reason you go to the airport is to go to your destination. I mean, you go through security and you go when you're in there and you're sitting there. It's not because you're like, oh, this is great. I love how uh, the airport feels and it smells and security. I love taking off the old belt and uh, hanging out in here. And I love that everything is priced like 10 times more than the rest of the world. So a banana is a quarter out there. It's $6 in here. What is wrong with you people? You only go to the airport in order to move to another destination. Dating is not the destination. Dating is like the airport, and just like you don't casually go hang out at the airport, you don't casually go date unless you are ready to move in the direction of marriage. That if you are dating, and it's not for the intent of getting married, you should break up. You are playing with fire, you are playing with emotions and a heart level in a way that God never created you to have intimacy with someone. Emotional, spiritual, physical, in an exclusive way that didn't have the purpose of us moving towards marriage someday. And just like it is expensive to hang out or everything costs more, the more that you hang out at the airport, it is an expensive thing to begin to spend time in a dating relationship, giving your heart and then ripping it apart from someone. You are not meant to spend uh, a season or extended season of aimlessly dating without a purpose. You are to be moving in the direction. This relationship 
is moving towards marriage. And if you're not in a place where you are ready to say like, man, I could be married in the next year, you should not be dating. Uh, it's been said that dating without the intent of marriage is like going shopping with no money. You will either leave frustrated, everything that you see, or frustrated, or you're gonna steal something that doesn't belong to you. If you date without the intent of marriage, you are setting yourself up to end up frustrated and discouraged and angry and hurt by how it went, or you're gonna steal something that doesn't belong to you. Part of the other person's heart, their sexual purity, you're gonna end up taking something that is not yours. And so if you are not at a place where you can honestly say, man, I want this relationship to progress, it's not just kind of uh, hanging out for years or with no purpose, and it's aimlessly, if I'm stuck in a holding pattern, you should break up. So let me give, like, specifically, really quickly, the timeline. Here's what it should look like. Here's the progression. It should start with singleness. You're single, they're single. You're single well, you're healthy, you're in a, in a season where you're like, man, I, I feel like I could be married in the next year. I'm not saying I will, but you're not, you're not 14 in middle school, and you're not in a place where you're like, you know, I, I, I need to finish school Uh, I need to finish law school and I've got three more years and I'm definitely not getting married until I get done with that. You should not date because you are setting yourself up to fail. You're gonna date for three years? You weren't made to be with someone that you uh, are increasingly grow emotionally and physically attracted to and you just want to be together for three years. So you're either gonna cross boundaries physically or if you don't have any desire to move further in the relationship, that's probably concerning too. You're like, this is great. We're just friends and I love being with her. No real like anything there, but this is great. We're in this dating relationship. You should be concerned there. And so if you're not at a place where you're like, man, I, I really could see myself entering the next season of life, then you should not be dating. But let's say you are. So you're single, they're single. Here's what happens next. A date. A date happens where the guy comes up and he initiates the date and he goes up and says, I would like to take you out for blank. Maybe it's dinner. The guy initiates and says, I would like to ask you out on a date. Now, the girl either reciprocates with a, yes, I'd like to do that, or you say, no, I would not like to go on a date with you. But the guy initiates, and you may be wondering, like, I thought we said girls could kind of put themselves out there. We'll even bring more clarity to that in the Q&A after this. But sure, there's a way in which you could strategically put yourself in the presence of godly men. But the Bible says... Men are called to lead in 1 Corinthians 11, Genesis 2, that God created men to initiate and to lead. So men, you go up, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna use your words, you're gonna ask her, I'd like to go on a date with you, or I'd like to go to dinner with you, or I have tickets to a Mavs game, and I would love you to come with me. I'd love to spend time with you. You initiate, you ask, you risk rejection. That's what you do. And you risk rejection, and so could you be rejected? Yes. And you know what happens? If you ask, if you're a godly guy and you ask out a godly girl and she rejects you, dude, I'm so proud of you. I'm, I mean it. Because you are doing what men do. You step up. Do you only want to do things in life where you only do them if you know that you won't fail? Really? You're like, yeah, you know, I would ask out her. She would be awesome. I just feel like she'd be great. But, um, you know, I'll settle with this girl because for sure she's going to date me. You really want to live like that? Like, be courageous. Go ask. And if you get rejected, dude, High five. I'm proud of you. Way to go. And girls, here's what I would say. If he's a godly guy, you should go on a date with him. If he's a godly guy and you're a godly girl, you should go on a date with him. Guys, so they initiate. I would plan something fun um, because if you have a boring date, it'll be hard to determine, are they boring? 
is the day boring or am I boring? And so I would plan something that's somewhat engaging and fun where you can talk together. This is my opinion. I think girls and guys, you should give each other a chance of two dates. Why? Because if you have one dud date where you're like, we got coffee and just sat there and they were having a bad day, you may not have a great read. That's just my opinion. Wouldn't die on that hill. But guys initiate, you ask them on a date. So let's say they say yes, you go on that date, it's great, everything's going fine, you end up going on another one. You communicate, I'd love to take you on a second date. Girls, if you don't wanna go on a second date, you don't say, yeah, that's great, and then just fall off the face of the earth and ignore them. You say, thanks so much, I wouldn't like to go on a second date. Same thing if it's a third. Thanks so much, I wouldn't like to go on a third date if you end up going on a second. But at some point, if the relationship progresses, then you move from single to dating, or a date to dating. And it goes from a noun, date, to verb, dating. And the way that you get there is, guys, you sit them down and you have what's called a DTR. You define the relationship. You say, I would like for you, thank you. See, look, dude, there's girls clapping in here because so few men actually do this. If you do it, you automatically are in the top 10%, okay? So, wow, (laughs) wow. For real, dude, that is easy. You're gonna get married and I want credit, okay? Here's what you do. All right, you sit them down, you're like, I have really enjoyed spending time with you, and you just tell them the truth. I'm not sure that we're going to get married, but you're at least the type of person or woman I would like to marry someday, and I would like to continue dating and and pursuing you in a relationship, and I'd like you to be my girlfriend. You use the word girlfriend. That's a big deal. May not be a big deal to you. Big deal to her. You drive clarity into the relationship. Leaders remove confusion, and let me just give you a heads up, guys. I, I, I know it because I, I, I am a guy, and I is one, and I've been there, this is gonna be a really awkward conversation. You're gonna sit there, it's gonna be out front of her house, in the car, or maybe it's out here on the patio, we're, we're all gonna see you tonight as we walk by, and two of you are standing there. <laughs> and you're gonna sit there, and you're gonna go, you know, like he was talking about tonight, and talk. <laughs> I, um, I really would like to spend intentional time getting to know you, and I don't know if I'm gonna marry you, but you're the type of person I'd like to marry, and I, I would love to move this relationship and continue growing and call you my girlfriend. Are you okay with that? It's gonna feel awkward. You're gonna trip over your words. It's gonna feel like you went back to middle school and your voice is gonna be cracking. And, uh, and you're doing it right. And you're driving for clarity. And you're caring for her and you're removing confusion. And girls, you honestly answer if you're there. And if you're not, you just say, I'm not there yet or I don't see this relationship moving forward. Thank you for the way that you've honored me and I don't have any interest in moving forward right now. You don't blame it on God. You don't blame it on anybody else. You speak honestly. So there, you're dating. So in the dating relationship, uh, there's a couple things that this couple, as they are moving towards their relationship together, they model should be a part of your dating relationship. Let me just say one more side note. At some point, and this is for extra credit, guys, I'm talking top 1% men, If you are dating a girl and her parents are Christian, I think it is a great idea for you in the midst of this early dating stages for you to meet with her father or her mother, if she's a believer, and just clearly articulate, hey, I'm interested in dating and pursuing your daughter. I'm not sure that we're gonna get married, but here are my intentions. I want to pursue her towards marriage, and whether or not God has that, I'm not sure, but I promise I'm gonna honor her and care for her and pursue purity with her. Here's my phone number. You can call me anytime you'd like, and I'll communicate along the way. At least you should do that before you get engaged. 
And so, but in the midst of the dating relationship, I think that's a great practice, especially if she has believer parents or Christian, Christian parents as part of it. So in the dating relationship, so back to our couple, they're dating one another, they're hanging out, and he begins to say something to her that articulates something so huge that a part of your relationship, if you're gonna have a healthy dating relationship on this journey, should involve. And he says this, my dove, we said last week, he's not just saying like, look, bird girl. He's saying <laughs> doves only have the ability to focus on one thing at a time. So he's saying like, man, you got eyes for me, I got eyes for you. My dove in the clefts of the rock are hiding behind the rocks on the mountain. In the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face, let me hear your voice, come out from hiding and communicate with me, speak with me. Your voice is sweet and your face is lovely, I wanna see you, come out from hiding and speak with me and let me see you are, who you are. The second part of your relationship is that at some point it should involve expressing deep, heart-level things to that person. Will you come out from hiding? That's what he says to the girl. He says, I want you to come out from hiding, and I want you to come speak with me. Come out into the open and share about the things that are in your heart and share about the things that are in your life and speak. Your voice is beautiful. I want you to come out from hiding. At some point in your relationship, as it progresses, you should begin to express at a heart level just the things in your past, things that you fear, things that you hope for, some of the ways that you just have scars from not living in line with God's best, that you bring out into the open your story with that other person. Hopefully you're already doing this in community with other believers, but before you get married to that person, you should do what this couple does, which is come out from hiding and speak tenderly and express your heart to that other person. This is a question we get so common, which is like, hey, when do I talk about my sexual past? When do I talk about like, you know, my, my history, my problems, my pains? And here's the answer. You ready? When do I bring this stuff up? When you're ready to move the relationship to the next level. Like in other words, this is not something you're like on the first day, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna take the soup. And uh, here's my biggest struggle in life. And um, <laughs> that I wouldn't introduce that day one. I wouldn't introduce that day five. But at some point, you owe it to the person you're dating. Like, man, here's the things in my past. Here's the things that are a part of my story. Here's some of the wounds that I had growing up. And when is when you're ready to see the relationship go to the next level. When you're considering engagement, you should share that stuff. What kind of things should I share? Things that involve, man, some of the relational baggage or sexual past. Like, man, just here's kind of some of my story. You don't need to glory in it or honor it. You're just kind of bringing it into the open. Here's what you should know. If there's a sexually transmitted disease, here's what you should know. Things that, I mean, one way, honestly, you should share is like, whatever you're afraid of sharing, you probably should share that. And I'm not saying early in the relationship or as this thing is blossoming, I'm saying before you get engaged, or if you're like, man, we're in that season, I wanna get more serious. One of the best things about Merge, which is our premarital ministry, is it drives these types of conversations to happen. But before uh, you enter into that season, you should have a season where you're expressing that stuff in your life. In general, just expressing kind of your past, what your upbringing was like, what shaped you, where you're carrying wounds. Maybe your parents' divorce, just things where you're, man, this really impacted and shaped my life. My hopes, like, my, this, this is what I hope to happen. These are my fears about what may happen. 
that you're sharing and speaking and communicating those things. Another way of saying it, to use that airport analogy, is, dude, before you move into engagement or before you take off, you should check your bags and check their bags and make sure you know what you are walking into together and that you share those things, how much debt you have. I remember having this conversation with my wife and just sitting down and talking about just father wounds and being raised pretty much by a single mother or father who wasn't present around and fear of, man, not being the dad that I want to be because I didn't have that there, sharing about my sexual past, sharing just about the story that God had written in my life. And as terrifying as it is, what is amazing is what happens often is we're so afraid, like, man, this person is gonna reject me, and oftentimes the opposite happens, where they go, dude, thank you for sharing. Now I know everything, and I'm not going anywhere. And that fear all of a sudden turns to confidence and intimacy, and it's like, man, I'm, I'm even more confident. We should move forward into the next step, but at some point, your relationship, a healthy dating relationship, should involve you sharing and not glorifying sin and doing it in a way that honors and cares about her. And so you don't need to go into all the types of details of like, this is what I did with Becky. And uh, you don't need to go very like hyper-specific. And if you're a girl and you're going, no, I wanna know exactly what you did with Becky, <laughs> you probably should slow down, girl, and, uh, and just check whatever's in, in your heart that may be feeding that but doing it in a way that honors the Lord and honors this person and just comes out into the open. And he says, my dove, come out, communicate with me. Come out of hiding. I wanna see who you are. The Bible says that in Genesis chapter two, God's design for marriage was that Adam and Eve were naked and without shame. I see all that you are and I'm not going anywhere. And I love you. And the direction and destination that God wants for you in marriage involves that. And you owe it to that person before you move into the next season of sharing who you are. And, and, and if they don't accept you for who you are, move on. Because they don't have the heart of Christ who accepts all of us and accepted all of us as who we are, despite all of it. And they may not be at a place where they're mature enough to see and do that and move past that. The third quality that we see from this relationship is that they involve addressing their specific relationship issues. Verse 15 of chapter two. They both chime in and say, catch the foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Our vineyards or our relationship is what they're talking about that are in bloom. So, hey, our relationship is growing, it's flourishing and it's growing up. Catch the foxes that could hurt and destroy this growing relationship from getting to where it ultimately desires to go to. Like, hey, cut off anything that's gonna hurt our intimacy. What was the foxes, what are you talking about? Foxes in vineyards today, even in Napa Valley, this still happens, where foxes will come up and they will um, basically, in a vineyard, they're growing grapes, and those grapes will start as a bud. And at the beginning of the spring season, those buds will form and foxes will come along and they will eat those buds before they ever flourish or bloom into grapes. The foxes will show up and they'll kind of uh, cut them off before they ever grow into what they were intended to grow into. She's basically saying, and he's basically saying, hey, let's catch and kill anything that's gonna hurt our relationship from growing further in intimacy 
anything that's gonna hurt our relationship. Your third idea, the third part of your relationship should be a relationship involving addressing your issues, addressing your together issues, and addressing your individual issues. Anything that's gonna hurt your relationship, anything that you see together, that you go, man, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna talk about this, we're gonna work through this together. I want us to be on the same page about this object. What do I mean by some of the like foxes that may be in your relationship or foxes that may be inside of your life? One of them may be your conflict style. That hey, we're gonna work quickly to address like the fox that our conflict, which is not a bad thing. We've got tons of messages on conflict if you haven't heard those, but basically conflict or having a disagreement between a person, uh, between two people is not necessarily a bad thing. It can be something that this conflict leads us to form tighter relationship together. So we're gonna know how each other kind of, how we fight, and we're gonna fight well and fight fair, and we're gonna allow that to move us closer to together. So some of you may need to like work on and understand your conflict style and their conflict style so that you don't just get into a relationship and rely on, you know, hey, we're gonna fight and we don't really talk to each other and I just kind of go silent for six weeks or, you know, we're just gonna bank on makeup sex all the time. That's gonna be it. Because that's not gonna work. But you need to know your conflict style. What do I mean by that? Um, we have a term and an expression called weenie. You need to know your weenie and you need to know their weenie. What do I mean by that? Rated R for romance, people. Weenie stands for withdrawal, escalation, negative interpretation, or invalidation. In every conflict style, you typically have somebody who's one of those, and the other person is, is another one of them. Or you just like, you hit the jackpot and you're all four of them. And uh, that's gotta be interesting. So you need to know, like, hey, do I withdraw? Like in conflict, am I like, oh, I just shut down and I try to disappear and I just cover myself up? Are you that person? Are you the escalator where they... Um, get into a conflict and uh, you escalate and you're like, you know, this is what you always do. Are you that person? Are you the negative interpreter where the guy's like, hey, man, this is great. Did you, um, uh, is that a new shirt? And you're like, oh, oh, you think I have a materialism problem? Huh, I'm greedy? Is that what you're trying to tell me right now? Or I don't, you don't like my fashion choice? Are you a negative interpreter? Are you an invalidator? Where the person shares that they're hurt and you're like, well, that's just because you uh, are a big softy and you need to toughen up in life. You know, it's hard. Get back in the game. Right, which style are you? And you need to know this. I'm joking, but this is so huge and so important. And you need to know if you're dating someone, you need to have a death grip on what they are and what you are. So that you know, like, man, this is just kind of the patterns. In my relationship with my wife, I am an escalator. She's a withdrawer, which is very entertaining. Because we get in conflict and she's like, I'm disappearing. I'm like, you come back here. <laughs> That's not funny at all, but, uh, but, <laughs> but in knowing that about one another, here's what that looks like for us. It's like she withdraws and it's incumbent on her to know, hey, I need some time to process and I need like a minute and I need some time to think. And we have come and through counsel in our life, people have gone, that's fine. But then if you withdraw, you need to know that it is incumbent on you to restart the conversation. So you go, he wants to work through it right now, and you're like, I just need some time, great. You need to go process that yourself, and then you arrange for, hey, I would like to talk about this. It is incumbent on you. He's trying to work through the conflict. Now you, if you need to take time, you can't just let it, let it lie and kind of like hope it'll disappear. You go, you work through that, and then you come back and you work through that together. Whatever your conflict style is, you need to know that because like so uh, few things, conflict, will kill a relationship. It is a fox that will eat your relationship and your intimacy. It is crushing marriages all over our country, all over our world. It has crushed and killed marriages because they couldn't work through conflict. And they went from caring about the other person and caring about their relationship to just wanting to win. 
and just wanting to hurt the other person. So you need to know your conflict style. Other than foxes that you should kill, pornography. If you're looking at pornography, you are feeding something that is creating an unrealistic sexual expectation that is going to crush your wife. You are feeding something that is telling you and teaching your mind to think a real woman is not enough and one woman is not enough. And if you're a girl looking at pornography, you are feeding yourself the same thing. A real man is not enough and what matters most is his ability to sexually please me and you're feeding an unrealistic expectation and that is a fox that it is gonna show up and it's feeding an appetite that is one of the leading causes of why people get divorced. Another fox that'll show up in your relationship would be bitterness and anger. That you need to make sure before you get married, before you move into that next relationship, that you have forgiven those who have hurt you most in life. I will not do a wedding for someone if they have not forgiven their parents. If they have said, man, I, I have never forgiven my dad who left or cheated on my mom, I will not do your wedding. And I wouldn't advise anybody to do your wedding. If they're harboring bitterness, because here's what that means. Man, this is so huge. They're saying somebody deeply hurt me and I'm holding on to that. And I'm not letting it go and I'm holding it against them. What do you think marriage is? It is repeated time after time of somebody deeply hurting you, your wife or your husband, and you having to choose, I forgive you. I'm choosing to believe the best. I'm choosing to move in your direction. I'm choosing to let that go. And if they're not good at letting it go and forgiving now, they're not getting better. And I would not advise you to move forward in that relationship, regardless of if someone will marry you or not. If they have not made the decision, I'm, I'm choosing to forgive this person who deeply hurt me. Another fox to address in this season is sexual abuse. Statistically, the numbers are shocking and they're all over this room. And if that's a part of your story, it doesn't have to define you. It wasn't your fault. There's hope, there's healing. God loves you and the pain that was inflicted there doesn't have to mark your marriage. But there will take some healing and you pursuing that with God's people and you bringing that into light and processing and talking through that. You're not damaged goods. It won't or doesn't have to define your marriage or your future sex life. And it wasn't your fault. And there's hope and there's healing. But you've got to be intentional to accept it or to pursue that because that's a fox that you didn't even ask for. But it's a fox that can show up and really hurt your relationship. And in dating and in your relationship together, regardless of what the fox is, you guys need to honestly talk about these things and not act like, you know, we're sitting there at the dinner table and this is so great and there's foxes everywhere around you. In the same way that you wouldn't do that if there were ravenous wolves all the way around you, you're just eating and hanging out, this is so great. And everywhere you look, there's like, you know, these foxes looking to kill you. That's what's going on. The Bible says that Satan hates you. He hates your relationship. He wants you to be in shame right now. He doesn't want you to get married. He wants to kill off your relationships before they ever happen. He's not just like a fox. He's like a roaring lion looking for someone to be devoured. I don't even know that I fully understand what that means. That's 1 Peter chapter 5. 
but I feel like I've seen it. And I've seen marriages devoured. Because these little foxes, they began to grow and they began to grow and they began to multiply and they just devoured that relationship. And you have an enemy and you need to listen to me. He hates you. He wants you to hide in sin. He wants you to hide in shame. He doesn't want you guys to work through your, your dysfunction. He just wants you to cover it up with sex. Like, oh man, we'll just have crazy manic highs and low and just cover all that stuff up. He doesn't want you to have healthy relationships. He wants you to get divorced. He wants your kids to grow up without a father or without a mother around. He wants you to be depressed. He hates you. He doesn't want you to listen to any of the things that God's word says about love, romance, sex. He wants you to tune it out and go, that's so unrealistic, I'm not doing that. Or for you to begin to buy the lie that, oh man, that must work for like goody two-shoe Christian people, but I've got a story and I've got a past. He hates you. That's a lie. And the story that God is going to write in your life is not over, but you are in the driver's seat. If you're going to surrender that to him, are you going to allow the foxes and Satan to destroy your relationships? He hates romance. He hates sex. And he wants to take it out of the context of marriage and inject it into your life. And it may bring like some amazing highs in a moment followed with some incredible pain. And he wants you to wallow in shame. And the God who's there loves you. He's crazy about you. He wants you to have a romance life like you could only dream of. And the whole book of this Song of Solomon is about that love story. And he's for you. And he wants you to experience like the safety and security and intimacy with a spouse in marriage. And if you're dating right now, you need to be on the lookout. Like, what are our foxes? What are the things that are going to kill our relationship before it continues to grow and blossom all the way there? And then finally, in verse 16, it says this. My beloved is mine, and I'm his. He browses among the lilies. Scholars debate and disagree, and some say that most of this chapter may have been engagement. Um, but without question, most will say, like, this is probably the engagement line. That she's saying, like, hey, I'm declaring I'm for you, you're for me, we're in this to win it, ride or die together. For the rest of our life, that's what's going on. We're engaged. Further, we know that because next week is the wedding and the wedding night, and it is about to go down, if you know what I'm saying. And so we at least know, entering into that, they are engaged by this line. And they're moving towards tying that knot together. And if you're gonna move towards tying that knot in relationship, you need to make sure that you are dating in a way that it is progressing. At some point, you are expressing kind of the intimacy parts of your heart, the intimate parts of your heart, your story, your past. And that you're addressing and confronting the issues in your life and in your relationship together. I shared earlier about the idea of like a knot holding. And you know, I was thinking about like a knot this week and how do I know if a knot will hold? And I was trying to think of like, are there two types of ropes or what are the types of ropes in the world that you take this rope and you take this rope and they really won't hold together? And there really isn't one. Like you may be like, well, what about a really thick rope and what about like a thin rope? I mean, you could you still tie a knot out of them. There isn't like these two incompatible ropes that are unable to tie together. What matters in the ability for a knot to hold, think about it, is two things. Who's tying the knot and what type of knot they're tying? In other words, like my one and a half year old may not be able to tie a knot that's that tight. She may end up just like leaving it at this because she's not strong enough to tie it or she doesn't know how to tie a knot that will actually hold. 
The Bible says that your relationship, what God hopes for you, and what our hope for this entire series, man, and we are praying that God does incredible things in this room and everywhere, every different Ports Live location, wherever you're listening in from, that God does incredible things in your heart's relationships, that he sets you up to marry someone who loves Jesus more than he loves you, that he's gonna be someone who chases and pursues after you the rest of your life, that you follow and lead together for the rest of your life, that you raise children who walk with Jesus together, and candidly, that he breaks up so many relationships in this room that you need to get out of, because you are, uh, candidly, dude, you're not gonna find Mr. Right because you're dating Mr. Right now, and you're not gonna experience who God has for you. And you're holding on because you're like, we built relational equity together, and I'm just afraid of breaking up, and, and you know, I feel like I've, I've gone too far already, and you are gonna miss out on what God has for you. You always do when you go against God's word. What type of knot does God want to tie as it relates to your relationships? The answer to who's tying the knot, Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 19, is God. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. And he says, what God has joined or tied together, let no person separate. That God is the one that ultimately is saying, like, I want to tie a knot that is so strong for the rest of your life, nothing in this world, nothing that you face, no matter what you walk through, nothing will tear it apart. Every struggle that you go through and everything the world pulls on you is only going to pull you tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter together. That's the knot that he wants to tie. And it's a knot, or the type of knot, is a covenant that it's not some contract relationship that you have with the other person. What's a contract? It's like, hey, I'm in this, and we'll be married unless you gain 20 pounds, and then I'm out. That's a contract. He is a covenant. What's a covenant? It's an unending, unbreakable, unstoppable relationship and bond, commitment to one another. No matter what happens, I'm not going anywhere. You cannot have that type of covenant relationship and the experience of the knot he wants to bond in your life without first having a covenant relationship with God. The first love of your life must be Jesus. The first love of their life must be Jesus. That's not some preachy language. I promise you, I've just seen it too many times. Where couples come together and they're sweet and they love hanging out together and this is great. And then a few short years go by and they got a kid. And they're standing there signing papers and they hate one another. And it was because they didn't form a covenant. They didn't have the type of knot that God wants to create in your life that is first anchored in a covenant relationship with God. If you are not a follower of Jesus, the best thing you can leave with is not how to date and tips and tricks and all that. It is that there's a God who's invited you into a love story that is far bigger than Song of Solomon, far bigger than the girl that you met from Tinder, far bigger than any relationship that you will ever have in this life. It's his love story of chasing and pursuing you. And he wants to create this covenant in your future marriage. So no matter what, I'm staying. But you won't have that if it's not, or if it is disconnected from the covenant relationship with God. From the God who said, no matter what you do, I'm staying. I died in your place. I gave my life for you. How do you know that God can keep a knot that lasts or tie a knot that no matter what you face in this life, it will last no matter what you walk through. It can hold. He's already done it once. He's promised that nothing in all of creation, Romans chapter eight says, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation could separate you from the love of God. That is the covenant that he's already created. You may not know this. If you're not a believer, like Christians don't believe like, uh, you know, good people go to heaven and we just come in here and we're like, 
I'm a really good person, that's why I'm here. And we sing songs like, David, David, you're such a really good guy. We say, Jesus, Jesus, you're our savior, you're our Lord. It's only because of you that I have a relationship with God. You pursued me, you came after me, you loved me despite me and you died in my place and you paid for everything I've ever done. And if I will accept and receive that gift, I enter into the covenant, the unbreakable love of God where he says, nothing you ever do, you may run, you can't hide from my love. And you can't escape it. And you can't break it. And he says, that, that relationship, you know, that your heart kind of longs for in marriage, you don't even realize it's longing for me. It's longing for the love of God and this unending, unstoppable, perfect love. And it's only in knowing and experiencing that love that you'll have any type of romance that you're looking for. And tonight, the choice for many of you is to say, man, am I gonna believe that and am I gonna receive that? For others of you, you need to evaluate honestly, am I progressing? Am I afraid to just express some stuff in my life and heart? And are we addressing, like, are we a good couple? Are we able to actually work through our issues and move forward? Because we have a God who paid for all of our issues. They don't define us, and they don't have to define our relationship. But the choice is yours. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you have given us a way that we can have eternal life and abundant life today. God, the greatest romance and love we've ever craved is found in you. And we just declare that we need your help to believe that, to walk in that, to accept that, that the love I've been looking for since the day I was born is you. And no marriage and no relationship and no children and no anything else that I, I would search to satisfy that could actually satisfy it. And so would you help us, God? to believe that. I pray for friends in the room who are walking through breakup. God, for friends that need to break up, you give them peace and clarity and conviction. Friends that need to move into that next season of marriage that God, you would bless and your hand of favor would be on relationships inside of this room and they would get married. And they would raise children who know the king the creator of the world, the savior of all humanity, and the lover of their souls. Father, we worship you now in song. Amen.